Welcome to episode 24 of The Teacher's Promise. Again, I'm your host, Brett Hansen, and I'm proud to celebrate, inspire, and nurture educators around the world by sharing the inspiring stories of compassionate people. This week, Deb Riddle and I discuss the joys and benefits of teaching in a Christian school, St. Paul Lutheran, in Mount Prospect, Illinois. I was a little worried about how to discuss religion in school, since it can be a hot-button issue, but it turned out okay. Not so much because of me, but more because of kindness. When people focus on compassion and love, the politics and divisions just aren't as important. Perhaps the topic deserves more attention, but not today. Today we just want to celebrate Deb and her 30 years of dedicated service to children. Welcome back to the show, everyone. Uh, today we have a wonderful guest, uh, Deb Riddle, uh, a teacher from St. Paul Lutheran down in Mount Prospect in Illinois. Deb, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I am doing great, Brett. Thanks so much for having me today. Here yeah, today. my pleasure. My pleasure. It, it, I didn't really need to tell everybody this, but uh, Deb and I had a conversation a while ago and I ruined the tape somehow. Not really a tape, no, I killed it. So we're going round two and I'm sure this one's going to be even better because we're both um, a little bit more experienced now. So Deb, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and why or how you became a teacher? Sure. I. It's one of those things where ever since I was in third grade or so, I just always, always wanted to be a teacher. It was one of those things where my dad was fabulous and he hung up chalkboards on the basement wall for me. And so I had a real classroom chalkboard that I worked on when I was a kid and we'd play school and I had imaginary students and I collected books and it was just something that was always a part of me. There's, I can't remember any specific influence or anything like that. It's just maybe one of those God things that God said, this is what I need you to do when you grow up. And I've been blessed to be doing it for 30 years now. Yeah. It's amazing how many people um, talk about playing school when they were young. I never remember playing school, um, but I was a mess when I was young, but it's, it's really <laughs> amazing. So many teachers just knew when they were young that that's what they wanted to do. Right. It's just always been a part of me. That's all I can say about it. Yeah. Well, we're glad that that has always been a part of you and that you decided to join this noblest profession because, um, you know, we need as many wonderful teachers as possible. So um, I always ask teachers to tell us about how compassion plays a part in their work. The main focus of this podcast is the role of compassion and how it enriches our lives as teachers and enriches the, enriches the lives of our students. So uh, what can you tell us about the importance or role of compassion or kindness in your work as an educator? Well, I'm very blessed to work in a Christian school. So each and every day we share the love of Jesus. We reflect that love of Jesus, which is the ultimate example of true compassion. And we stem everything from there. We have a separate religion time that we open our day with. But literally, Jesus and his love and his compassion really follows us through the day. And it's involved in everything we do, from the subjects that we teach, to the discipline that we use, to the relationships we have with parents and with students. And it's just, it's all him. And it's all just showing his compassion to new generations, which is an extreme blessing. Yeah. The, um, the, the issue of like 
you know, religion and Christian schools is really, I, I think the best way for me to put it is kind of like a stiff subject or there's, there's mm-hmm. not tension, I think, for a lot of people. It's just, well, we just don't know how to talk about it. I, I think that anybody who believes in education, believes in compassion, and, you know, most, I think, most, you know, teachers are um, in some way religious. And so why do you, sure. do you, why do you think that there's this sort of stiffness between, um, religious schools and, and, and public schools? I think there's just that line of, you know, we live in a country with a lot of freedoms. So we have freedom of religion. We have that separation of church and state where the government's not going to tell you how you're going to worship and where you're going to worship. And I think for some people, it just gets taken maybe to an extreme. And just like with anything, when you have diversity in something, I feel like the most vocal people aren't necessarily always the majority, but they are speaking loudly and speaking forcefully. And I think especially in this day and age, there are a few people out there who just think that religion doesn't belong in school, no matter what, you can't talk about it. And I think it just really rolls from there where the very vocal people are being heard and really that doesn't necessarily reflect the way the majority thinks. Yeah. I I am personally not a Christian. I'm I try to be a very compassionate person and I tried for a very long time. It just didn't fit with me. And um but I know a few things. One, many of the students who um here there there are uh, Christian schools and religious schools, but they usually end about eighth grade. And then we get these wonderful, kind students coming into our classes. Um, and all the people I know who teach in any kind of religious school, um, mm-hmm. whether it's a Christian school or a Judaic school or or um, others, th- those are the mainly the one people I know. Right. You know, they're caring, wonderful people. And I, I just sometimes wish it was a little smoother. I understand it's complicated and I am not an expert in this. So I'm probably going to end up putting my foot in my mouth somewhere here. So I apologize to everyone if I do, but I just, I love the fact that um, anywhere where there's a whole bunch of love and a whole bunch of compassion from my perspective is a really good thing. So. Absolutely. uh, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And uh, you know, we'll just leave the politics off to the side and other people can yell. (laughs) Other people can yell and you and I'll just talk about love and compassion and things like that. I like that idea for sure. So um, the, tell us about what grade you teach and some of the things that you particularly like about teaching at that level. I'm pretty, you're an elementary teacher, so you're still teaching down there? I do. So I've been teaching third grade for the past 28 years. I started my my career, right? It's been a long time. I started my career in pre-K and I managed two years of that. That was just not my wheelhouse. Um, God bless the preschool teachers. God bless the junior high teachers. God bless the high school teachers. My wheelhouse is right in that second to fifth grade area. And so I've just been super fortunate to be teaching third grade for this long. Third graders are awesome. They are at that age where most of them still like school. Most of them are still willing to give and get a hug along the way there, which is another, you know, part of being a compassionate teacher and another blessing of being able to teach in a Lutheran school. I can still hug my kids. They can hug me if they need it. I've hugged parents during conversations, but third graders are fabulous. They enjoy school still. 
and they're old enough that most of them are reading so we can take that learning to read and flip it to reading to learn and it just opens up so many other things that we can do in the classroom from there yeah yeah that's a nice time a wonderful time i remember when my kids uh made that shift from learning to read to reading to learn it's a it's a it's a great time especially for them just right. opening all these worlds with it, the turning it, of a page it really does and there's so many books out there and i have thousands of books in my classroom the kids before christmas break were they were working on something and they said can i get a book i don't know what to read and i said dude there are literally a thousand books in this classroom i said i'm not exaggerating and they're like no there's not a thousand i said go ahead count them so they literally started counting. Now they were being kind of silly, but they got through two bookshelves and they kind of looked around and they went, whoa, I think she's right. There's like 250 books just on these shelves alone. And my entire room is filled with books. And just to get them excited about reading and to be able to point them into a story that they like, if they like adventure or if they like fantasy or if they like historic, there's just so much out there and they can just, you know, go into another world for a little while. Yeah. It's a great place to go. Sometimes I'll walk down to the elementary school in my district. I just like to see the kids when they're little, but they recently remodeled and the, the, the elementary library is just wonderful. It's, it's, it's got the feel and it looks like what I remember from an elementary library where there are lots of places to just sit down and there are lots of colorful books and you can just pull one out. And it's a oh, great that's place. fabulous. That's awesome. Yeah. That sounds like my kind of place. One of the issues that I often bring up is just to try to get advice from experienced teachers about um, why people should stay in education. I mean, we all know it's a tough time. We see mm -hmm. the numbers, we hear the reports, people leaving in droves. Why should younger educators stay in the profession? Well, like you said, we desperately need good, committed, compassionate, kind teachers. The world is a mess and school is sometimes a kid's only consistent, safe place. There's routines. You know what to expect each and every day. During waking hours, we see the kids more than their parents do, you know, especially this time of year when it gets dark so early and you might go to bed a little earlier. And kids just need those really good role models to show them the good path in life. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I know I needed them when I was young. And I, I was thinking about it the other day. Everyone that I've had on the show has been just wonderful. I mean, just kind people. And, and the other day I was walking through the halls and we're, we're on a, um, developing a idea of really trying to promote uh, being active and engaged for our students mm -hmm. all throughout the high school. And, sure. you know, you walk, you walk through a school and the teachers are almost always all active and engaged. Sometimes we're upset, sometimes we're annoyed, right. but we're also just, connected and engaged and teachers really are good role models. Right. And I think that's important too. You know, many teachers see students as individuals. You don't look out and go, oh, here's the 30 kids in my class. You go, well, that's Bobby over there. And he likes this, this, and this, and that's Susie over there. And when you get to know your students as individuals, in addition to being part of the whole, which also has its own, you know, makeup and routine, I think that's super important and a super important part of being a compassionate teacher that you don't just look at your students as, 
oh, this is student number 30 in my classroom, but no, this is Bobby and here's what he likes. And when you have these conversations that are personal outside of here's your math problems for today, that really goes a long way in being a compassionate and kind and caring teacher. Yeah. And speaking of kind and caring teachers, can you tell us about one of your most positive teachers or one of the kindest teachers you ever had? Sure. It's one of those two, kind of where we're going back to the beginning of the conversation here of why I wanted to be a teacher. There's not particular teachers in the elementary years for me growing up, but I did the first principal I worked for at my current job. She was a wonderful, wonderful lady. She has since passed away, but we all remember her fondly. And I remember one of the things that she said when I first started, I was a young teacher when I first started working for her. And she said, you know, especially when you're struggling with those kids, there's always going to be those kids who are having a hard time and they're giving you a hard time and you just feel like there's no winning in any situation. She always said, just think of those students as those little babies that their parents brought home from the hospital and have so many hopes and dreams for them. And when you're struggling to connect with a parent and tell them why their kid is struggling and why their kid is having a, a difficult time with things, just remembering that, that this is their hopes and dreams for their kid. And that's a hard message for them to hear as well. So that we need to be super gentle with that message. Yeah. It's a great visualization. I mean, we, um, use all these different visualization techniques to accomplish goals that we want to make more money, to fix certain things and do all the things that we want to do. But really just trying to remember the obnoxious yelling teenager in my mm -hmm. English 11 class as, right. as a, as a little kid or a child or a baby is just a wonderful way to, to bring exactly. us back to reality. Exactly. For sure. And, and I did have a professor in college and I'm ashamed to say, I don't remember her name but she was my social studies methods teacher. And she was the one who really inspired me to have a book filled classroom for kids. So we'd go into her class every day and she would just have books about whatever topic we were talking about. And I said, this is what I want my classroom to look like. I want it to have books. And she was super hands-on and did you know, simulations and we did acting things out in history. And I think that modeled for me not only that literature, but it also instilled a love of history into me as well. So even though I unfortunately cannot remember her name, um, she really made a lasting impact in that sense on me. Yeah, that's okay. The substance is more important than the label. So right, we're just glad that she influenced you the way she did. For sure. Yeah. So um, do you have any stories about... Um, students that stuck with you? I mean, we don't, we try not to use any students' names. I mean, they're all probably older now, so it wouldn't really make any sure. difference. But, but can you tell us a story of uh, any kids that impacted you or a compassionate moment or something that might help inspire all of us to dig a little deeper? Yeah, sure. So there was one family that I remember and they were having some custody issues with their child doing, due to the past, catching up with them. You know, you make stupid decisions when you're young and things kind of come back to haunt you. The past was sort of coming back to haunt them a little bit. And they, we had to set up some meetings at home. They weren't allowed to come to the school, but I invited them into my home and we talked about their daughter and what I could do for her. And I really became 
the link to their child while they were separated for a little bit. And I remember the very last day of school that year, things had worked out and everything got figured out and all the snafus that had been going on got straightened out and things were all back to normal. And mom and the girl came into my room on the very last day of school and she sent the girl out of the room and she said, I just need to talk to Mrs. Riddle a minute. And she said, I just want to thank you so much for everything you've done for us this year. You know, she has no idea what a huge part of our family story you were for us this year. And it was through you that our family was able to stay connected and you helped us through this difficult situation. And someday when she's old enough, we're going to tell her just how big a role you played. And that was just very meaningful. I remember that to this day that, you know, I was able to be there for that family. Yes, as their child's teacher, but then as a compassionate, caring person on an individual level as well. And then, you know, with the invent of Facebook and all now, I'm friends with a few former students on Facebook, but there's one girl in particular who, again, kind of had a few little struggles coming through, um, didn't have the greatest family life growing up, and she's doing awesome now. She's married. She has a little girl. And when I comment on her posts and things, uh, fairly regularly, she'll um post something in there and she'll say something like, you've always been my famous teacher. I'll love you forever. And it's just sweet that, that, you know, it sticks with you and she's a grown up now and I'm a grown up and you know, that you just remember those students. There are certain students that you do just stay connected with longer than they're at your school or in your classroom. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Every once in a while I'll get a letter or something, but by the time they're in high school, they're ready. To be, <laughs> many of them are ready to be yeah. done with school and they're, you know, English teacher pushing them to write all these essays isn't really what they want. So, but they will look back on that someday too. And even though now in their 16 year old body, when they look back, you know, maybe 20 years from now, they'll realize how important that was for them and they will remember you fondly. Yeah. I get, I get a, usually a letter or two every year, which is yeah, enough which for me. Which is That's awesome. Great. Yeah. 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 We take what we get. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, one of the things I often, and, the show with or usually do is to remind teachers that they have to take care of themselves in order to take care of other people. And so I often ask, um, you know, what else is of interest in your life? What do you like to do? What, what sort of um, refreshes you or reboots you in order to go back in and dedicate your life to these kids? So can you tell us a little bit about something else that you're really interested in? Sure. Well, stemming from that love of history that I mentioned earlier, I'm very involved with our local historical society, been involved with them for about 20 years, and I've currently been serving as their president for about the last five. And it's just something that, yeah, it kind of takes me to a different place a little bit, lets me do a few little different things in there. Although ironically, one of the things I work on mostly is programming both for students and adults or for uh, kids and adults, which is, you know, just bringing my education background into it. But it's just something a little different to do, working with different groups of kids and working with grown-ups sometimes and sharing history and all aspects of history with them in a local setting. I'm a big reader just for fun. I like cozy mysteries. I like romances. I like action adventure. And that's really my escape that really takes me out. I try to read every day. Usually it's before I go to bed for about a half hour, 45 minutes. 
And that's definitely my escape. That is my go-to. If I need to relax, if I need to just take a load off for a minute, I bring out a book and I just sit there and fall into another world. Yeah. That's, I, I like to read too. I, my wife is a unbelievably good reader. She, she can just, she falls into a book and she, she finishes it so yep. fast. It's wonderful. Yep. I like to read a lot, but I'm always impressed with that ability she has there. Yeah. So I will often ask teachers to share a funny moment from their classroom. I mean, of course it's not required, but um, can you think of any funny moments that that you could share with us? Because we all just love to laugh at each other and laugh at the kids every chance we get, because we got to vent this frustration out someplace. So can you think of any funny moments to share? Well, I'm just thinking back to, you know, we all went through a few years ago, which sort of seems like a bad dream now, but the whole, you know, COVID thing where we're all teaching online and then we got back and some of us were at home and some of us were in school. And so there was one week where I had a whole bunch of kiddos at home either had been exposed or I forget exactly what the deal was. And, you know, it's hard. I'm up there in the front of the classroom, in front of a screen, trying to connect with the kids who are at home, trying to connect with the kids who are in my room. And it was tricky for me because I am not a stand in one place girl and teach. I'm always moving around, walking around, checking on the kids, doing whatever. So to stand in front of that screen was super tricky. So I finished my lesson and I said to the kiddos at home, I said, hey, just hang tight for a minute. I said, I'm going to leave you facing the board because there's information on the board that you need but I'm going to walk around. If you need something, just yell. And so I'm kind of walking around and I am also a collector of stuffed animals in my classroom. I have Mickey Mouses and Minnie Mouses and I have a huge giant, what I call the minion cave with about a dozen minions in this minion cave. So I was just in a silly mood. And so I grabbed one of the minions and I took it over to the screen where the camera was And I just popped the minion up. So the minion popped onto the screen instead of me and everybody just lost it. And it was just a little bit of that. The kids at school were able to laugh a little bit. The kiddos at home were able to laugh a little bit. One of the kids at home goes, who's doing that? And the kids in the classroom are just dying and they're going, it's Mrs. Riddle. So we were just able to have, you know, a good laugh in the middle of a tricky situation. I mean, we're always laughing. Third graders always have jokes and they're always just funny, but that was just sort of a lighthearted in the middle of making the best out of a very tricky situation there. Yeah. It is a good idea to relieve some of the stress, especially during COVID. I mean, we don't right. end up talking about COVID too much on the show because uh, people are just glad it's, it's for over. now right. uh, over. So yeah. So we're getting close to the end here. Is there anything else that you'd like to share to tell people about um, with regards to your school or your kids or teaching or anything? Just, just, I guess what we've gone over before, you know, there's such a need out there for kind, compassionate, caring teachers. And, you know, if you're feeling that you're a little run down, you know, take care of you, make sure you find that thing that you want to do outside of school. That's your own thing. My husband and I do a lot of camping. We pull a trailer and that's our, you know, we hike and we get out in nature and we just explore. And even if you're only going an hour away from home, you're still getting away a little bit and just be there for each other, you know, continue to be a lifelong learner and love what you do. It's, we were talking about careers with 
somebody, we were on vacation last week and he was talking to his son, who's 21, about what he wants to do in life. And the son kept saying, well, I just want to have a fun career, dad. And the dad was saying, no, you have to find a career and then you make it fun. You get out of it what you put into it. So, you know, love what you do. Be a dedicated teacher along the way. Yeah, it is really good advice because, you know, attitude is the most important part about how you're going to experience situations. Absolutely. Yeah, so I agree completely. Well, once again, we're to the end of the show, my favorite part where I get to thank the educator and uh, this is going to be an easy one. Um, Deb, thank you so much for deciding to become a teacher a long time ago. And we'll thank your dad for hanging up that chalkboard to get you started at an early age. Thank you for your 28 years of dedication uh, to third graders and, and kids who have learned to open new worlds to the books in your room. And thank you to St. Paul Lutheran and Mount Prospect for having the wisdom to hire you and for creating a great environment. And thanks for everything that you do. Uh, you're a wonderful person, a wonderful teacher, and it's been an honor to have you on the show. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much, Brad. I was really honored that you asked me to be involved in this project, and I wish you the best of luck with it. Yeah, thank you. We'll keep it rolling. So if you think we should dedicate a teacher's report to the issue of religion in schools, or would like to be part of a group discussion on the topic, email me, brett at hansoneducationservices.com. Unfortunately, I'm still working on reactivating my Facebook page and group, so we have to go old school with just regular email. And please return next week to listen to this month's teacher's report on the great teacher shortage. It's a very important topic. And always remember that you are part of the noblest profession, no matter what type of school you teach in, that all children are our children and deserve our intelligent compassion, and that you must take care of yourself in order to take care of others. Don't forget to tell your fellow educators how important their work is as well, because spontaneous gratitude goes a long way. Until next week. <laughs>